You are on the Crooked Mile. Join Ed on another fabulous adventure. Thanks very much. Thank you. Welcome again, everyone. Yes, you are on the Crooked Mile. Now, before we begin, a word of caution. The story you're about to hear is true. No names have been changed to protect anyone. The language, the vernacular, has not been modified to protect anyone's sensitive ears. Listener discretion is advised. So early on in my life, I have always cherished the outdoors. I recall when I was very young, one of my prized possessions at the time was this little blue and red vest. And the vest had an Indian chief wearing a full headdress iron on on the back. And when I donned this handsome attire, there was no doubt about it. I was going to someday be an Indian brave or at the very least some kind of explorer. Now, many years later, however, I'm still trying to figure that out. You know, I love to go hiking or sit next to a river or a lake, maybe get a fishing line wet while I drown some worms, or then again, you know, maybe not. But anywhere I go outside, I am aware, I'm fully aware, that someone has been there before me, and that's okay. It doesn't lessen the awe, the grandeur, the enormity of it all. Actually, it, it makes it even more so. Because I think to myself, what were those people thinking? Anyway, it's those places that make a guy feel pretty insignificant, but at the same time, make him feel part of the whole. You know, out in those places where the air is fresh and clean and sweet, you can't take a deep enough breath to gather it all in. So, oftentimes, this leaves me with the opportunity to explore the deep recesses of my mind so that I may go wherever I may choose. Ah. <clears throat> oh, yes, anyway, as I was saying, when we were young, we would play cowboys and Indians, and we would construct our bows and arrows out of sticks and some string. And Well, Mom, however, was never too keen on guns, you know, toy or otherwise, so we would often have to use our fingers as a six-shooter or perhaps maybe a baseball bat as a rifle. You know, in, in such instances, Mom, I don't believe, was overly impressed with our ingenuity. Oh well, such is life. There are a few situations, I'm sure, where Mom and Dad were not nearly as impressed with me as I was. But that is another story, or several stories, or hell, that may turn out to be a whole series. <laughs> you know, I recall several occasions while growing up, mom and dad would take us up camping. There was nine of us sometimes, plus the dog. You know, before we moved up to the high society of the camping world, that is to say, before mom and dad had purchased their little tent trailer in 1972, which at the time of purchase was already five years old, I think, but be that as it may. To a seven-year-old kid who loved to go camping, it was nothing less than state-of-the-art. But before all this high-tech equipment, I seem to have some vague memories of an old green army tent 
that must have weighed somewhere in the neighborhood of 500 pounds. The pole system for this tent had to have weighed 100 pounds by itself, and it was mean looking. When we would arrive at our predetermined destination, which wasn't always predetermined, and that was great, there was always a tremendous amount of work that needed to be done in order to have an orderly camp. And one thing I recall is when it came time to set up the aforementioned tent, us kids were always sent off somewhere, maybe down to the river to go play or go chase cows or something. You know, and being the smart children that we were, it didn't take us long to figure out why we were sent off to play. It was so we would not increase our vocabulary at such a young age, listening to Dad as he wrestled feverishly with that goddamn tent. That was all right, though. The vocabulary lessons would come soon enough. So off we would go exploring or fishing or whatever. You know, everyone had a fishing pole, whether it was bought at the store or made out of stick with some string and maybe a pull tab from an old pop can for a hook or something. Boy, a person can do a lot of stuff with a stick and some string. Anyway, everyone had one, whether they knew how to or even cared how to fish. Everyone had one. Ah, yes. Early on, I have always cherished the outdoors. Camping, fishing, hiking. There was nothing I enjoyed more than being outside. Now that I'm an adult, which, depending on whom a person may be speaking to, may be a matter of opinion. Indeed, there are but a few changes. There's still no place I'd rather be than outside atop of a hillside, taking in what the entire outdoors has to offer. Undoubtedly, I have a great love and respect for the outdoors. You know, I've wondered to myself a time or two why I chose such a late start in my hunting pursuits. But really, it's no wonder at all. The right opportunity hadn't really presented itself. So at this time, it was about 30 some odd years ago now, shortly after the time my lovely wife Fronda and I first got together, her son Travis, my stepson, had already been hunting since he could walk, basically. So yeah, Trav, growing up, had his grandpa showing him the ropes and teaching him all the finer points of what hunting was all about. So when Travis asked me if I wanted to go deer hunting one day, well, hell yeah, I'd love to go. Well, we gotta get you set up. You got a gun? Uh, no. And I realized right then that this was a commitment. We're not screwing around here. In order for me to go, I had to have my own essential equipment. There will be no borrowing at this point. So, first things first, going shopping. Rocky's House of Guns, I think, is where we went. And as we walk into the gun store, I'm going to play Mr. Cool as to conceal my excitement. But the whole time, my brain is screaming, Oh my God, look at this shit. This is too cool. And judging by the smile on Trav's face, the concealment of my excitement was an epic fail. Anyway, Travis pointing out this gun and that gun and talking about the pros and cons of each weapon and I start not to hear him because now I'm starting to focus on the price tags. Holy shit, I said. They're just giving these bastards away, aren't they? Travis kind of just gives me a knowing shrug as if to say, hey, you gotta have something and that's just kind of how it is.
So we finally zero in on a previously owned 300 Savage lever action. It's already set up, it's got a 3x9 scope on it, and the price is fairly reasonable. You know, Trav already knows about this particular rifle because he's got one just like it. So, sold! Sweet! What's next? Well, let's see, Trav says. You gotta buy some ammo. You're gonna need a hunting license, a deer tag, some hunter's orange, a strap, and blah, 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 blah. Oh, shaking my head. Good God, man. This is getting out of control. Then I hear the words. Tomorrow, we'll go shooting and sight that thing in. Okay, cool. So as promised, we go shooting, and I discover that I am, in fact, able to hit the broadside of a barn. <laughs> well, anyway... Opening day of deer season is finally here, and Buck Bailey, my father-in-law, has secured us permission to hunt old Jack Linville's place out in the Palisades. Now, Jack's place is pretty big. He raised cattle out there, and there were alfalfa fields that seemed to stretch on for miles. And then there was these rocky draws that came down to the fields where the deer would use to access the fields. It was pretty cool. So as I said, opening day, we're out at Jack's place at the butt crack of dawn. We hike across an alfalfa field towards one of those big draws, then we start hiking up into it. We find a nice flat spot in the dark to stop and wait for the sun to come up and watch for the deer. They should be coming right through here because they were here last night. As a matter of fact, they've been moving through here all week. And as the dark Moonless night loses its grip. The pale blue light of a crisp October morning ushers in a beautiful autumn sunrise. And we sit and we wait. Then we wait a little more. And then we wait a little more. And then some more. And then, well, damn, dude. Where's all the fucking deer at? Well, I don't fucking know. This is bullshit. Let's move. So off we go, side-hilling from one draw to the next, coming up empty all morning. So finally, around noon or so, Travis suggests that I sit here on this little ridge of the draw and he'll go over the next so we can glass more of the countryside. Well, shortly after Trav gets set up over there, he spots a deer and indicates that it's a buck and for me to get over there. So I haul ass. Travis points down the other side of the ridge of the draw and describes where the deer's at. I raise my binox to get a better look. And I look and I search and Trav asks, you see him? Well, I can't see shit. Trav says to me, no, Ed, put your binox down. He's right there. Now, <laughs> Trav didn't say it, but when I saw how close the deer was with my naked eye, the words I'm sure he left off were, you idiot. Now, I have to say, this wasn't the last time a scenario like this played out between us. So now the buck that we're looking at is kind of a small guy. Legal, but small. You want to shoot him? Trav asks. He's kind of small. Now, if I remember right, I only had the weekend to hunt, and we hadn't seen anything all day up to this point, so heck yeah. Okay, get a good rest, Trav says. Aim for right behind the shoulder. So I put my pack down, or my coat, whatever I had. I laid down and brought the scope up to my eye. 
put the crosshairs right about where I thought they should be, took a deep breath, let it out, boom! One shot, one kill. And so right there, you basically have a quick Reader's Digest version of my first buck. It wasn't a monster buck, but hey, that's okay. It was my first. We had meat in the freezer, and I couldn't have been happier. Now, mind you, all hunts don't go this well. <laughs> So anyway, a short time later, Travis, Rhonda, and I were sitting around the kitchen table at Buck and Hazel's house, my in-laws, and the discussion, of course, turns to hunting, and hunting stories, and elk hunting. It's coming up. You know, so it's funny. All of our elk hunting stories, however many times they've been told, all start out exactly the same way. Hey, you remember that time up at elk camp? And after that, the elk hunting stories spigot usually gets turned on full blast. So, with that being said, I am, in all likelihood, about to conflate more than a few hunting stories. <laughs> but, first things first. As we're sitting around the table, Hey Gramps, Trav says to Buck, can we take Ed with us to elk camp this year? Well, I'm not taking everybody in the goddamn country to elk camp, he says. And everybody's just sat there for a second in stunned silence until Hazel said, Buck, you're not going to take Eddie to elk camp. He looked at her and said, Who? Eddie. Eddie? He then looked at me, and I might have raised my hand a little, and, Oh, Eddie, you want to go elk hunting? Sure, I'll take you. I'll take you elk hunting. Sweet. I'm in. So setting up elk camp is kind of a big deal. There's lots of planning Lots of preparation, packing, and hauling that needs to be done. And I remember this one time up at Elk Camp. Oh, see, there it is. Anyway, this one time, Travis and Gary, Travis' uncle, went on up ahead of everyone else to start setting up camp. You know, and for the wall tents, they managed to find some long, skinny, fallen trees to use as tent poles because we didn't have any for whatever reason. It was pretty ingenious. So they thought... <laughs> When Buck pulls into camp, the first words out of his mouth are, What the fuck is that supposed to be? This camp looks like it was set up by a bunch of epileptics. <laughs> well, Trav and Gary are certainly not going to let this go. Look, Bailey, we've been up here working our asses off. Where the hell have you been? Screwing off back at home. And look at this, Buck says. You assholes didn't even hook up the stove. Nope, that's your job. And so the banter begins. Me? I just want to go hunt. Well, later that evening, after the sun, which seemed to have went down hours ago because our tents are set up on the shady side of the hill, everyone has pretty much settled down. And Buck is one of the tents getting ready to call it a night. You know, and then shortly, everyone follows suit and turns in for the night. We got to get up early tomorrow. Finally, camp is quiet and peaceful. The only sound that can be heard is the dying embers of the campfire snapping or popping as it goes to sleep as well. Then Buck lets out a deep, long sigh and says, You're all a bunch of fuck-ups. 
but I love you. <laughs> oh, and there you have it. That was the simple essence of Buck Bailey. Buck had a huge heart, and he was willing to help anyone the best he could, providing that you tried to do the very best you could to help yourself. And he wasn't bashful about telling you exactly what he thought, good, bad, or indifferent, or all of the above. You know, since my joining, the core group of characters at Elk Camp remained fairly constant. There was Buck, Travis, Gary, myself, and oftentimes Gary would bring his buddy Bill, and more often than not, Travis brought along his best friend, Brad. There were others now and again that would tag along or pass through camp, but the core group was family. And then there was this one time up at El Camp, well, Buck was hooking up the propane gas to the mini range, as he always did, because, you know, it was his job. You know, everyone was sure to keep a good distance from the cook tent. You would hear cussing and things being slammed around, more cussing, and then everything would fall silent. Then suddenly, whoosh, and the sides of the tent would billow out, and Buck would come running out of the tent, smacking his forehead, trying to extinguish his eyebrows. Well, stove's lit, someone would remark. Now, as I said before, setting up El Camp is a lot of work and requires a lot of preparation. And a lot of that preparation fell onto Hazel, as far as most of the food was concerned anyway. For example, we always had some kind of stew while we were hunting. And Hazel would season the meat just so and chop up all the vegetables and get everything ready and put everything in its own containers and packed everything up nice and tidy. Well, this one time, after Buck got the stove lid, he decided to enjoy a glass or two of whiskey as he put the stew together. And he didn't have to do much. Hazel pretty much had him covered. So Buck had everything in the pot, put the lid on, and passed out on his cot for about the next three hours. When he woke up, Oh, shit, he said. I better check the stew. God damn, he said. I am one hell of a good cook. We all just smiled. A little later on in the evening when the dishes were all done up and put away, Buck was feeling kind of grateful. And so he decided it was time to come clean and impart to us young bucks some of his insights and wisdom. You know, we have a pretty nice setup up here, he began with a soft and thoughtful tone. Hey, where's those matches, he asked. Well, he found the box of stick matches he was looking for right where they were supposed to be, right where Hazel had packed them. He then grabbed the Coleman lantern to get ready to get it lit because by now it was getting pretty dark inside the cook tent. Buck nodded and reiterated his sentiments of how nice our setup was. You know, I take a lot of credit for how nice our camp is, he said, as he fished out a match from the box. But you know, it's really Hazel who deserves most of the credit. And as he spoke, he went to strike a match on the side of the box, and snap, it broke in half. He grinned a little and continued on, praising Hazel. You see, if it wasn't for her, he said, as he tried to strike another match, and as he did so, the head of the match crumbled into dust. Buck looked down at it. Well, son of a bitch. You know, that Hazel, she takes care of me. If you guys were smart, you would find a woman like my Hazel. 
Then another match, another snap. I mean, all this food in here, she. Another match, snap. Uh-oh. Then another attempt, and the head of the match disintegrated, then snaps. These goddamn Morphodite fucking matches! Why the hell did she pack these fucking things? I swear to God, when I get home, I'm gonna kick her ass! <laughs> oh, Bailey. You were one of a kind. Thanks. And until next time, thanks for joining us.